What's going on, coaches? Uh, hopefully you guys are doing well this season, uh, enjoying your season as all of us do during the season, and hopefully you're enjoying the podcast as well. Maybe when you guys are breaking down film or getting your early morning workouts in, I know you guys are busy, but hopefully you guys are, are um, enjoying listening to us, listening to us talk, and listening to us talk to some uh, some amazing, really, really smart coaches. Uh, on this episode of the podcast, uh, it is sponsored by Guardian Caps. Guardian Caps are soft shell helmet covers that reduce impact during practice. They're worn by over 1,000 high schools like mine at Broken Arrow and Coach Walls over at Ankeny, and over 100 colleges like Clemson, Texas, Oklahoma, and Iowa State. Most programs utilize them for their guys in the box to, to address the repetitive, subconcussive blows that add up throughout the season or an athlete's career. In fact, you can see what Lincoln Riley has to say about uh, the Guardian Caps in the linked articles on our show notes on runthepower.com. They're also great for body blows, helmets to knees, hips, quarterbacks' hands, all while keeping the helmets looking good for game day and protecting speed flexes from cracking. Check out guardiancaps.com and request a quote for great team pricing. This episode is also brought to you by Team Builder. Team Builder provides strength and conditioning software to athletics programs around the country. Whether you write your own program, have a full-time strength coach, or need training programs, Team Builder can make your program more efficient, more accountable, and smarter when it comes to measuring your team's effort in the weight room. Visit their website and start a 14-day free trial. And right now, Team Builder is offering coaches a complimentary in-season football strength program. As you may recall, the New England Patriots squat up to 90% of their one-rep max deep into the playoffs. If your in-season strength and conditioning is to just maintain, then you're doing it wrong. You can get the template once you start a 14-day trial with Team Builder. Just reach out to them and tell them that you heard it from us and the podcast. Go visit Team Builder at teambuilder.com, which is team, B-U-I-L-D-R.com. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by the always powerful Sideline Power. Uh, Sideline Power offers a cutting-edge technology and innovation. Sideline Power helps coaches around the country elevate their programs to the next level with new and used headsets, end-zone cameras, drones, portable sound systems, timers, and much, much more. Sideline Power works one-on-one with some of the most influential coaches and nationally ranked programs in high school football. They continue to help coaches push the envelope of player and program development. From NFL-level coaching communications to cutting-edge video technology, Sideline Power encompasses a full array of products needed to unleash the full potential of any program. Throughout the expansion of the product offering, Sideline Power has remained committed to offering quality coaching communication at price points for every program. Family-owned and operated with a customer-first mentality, Sideline Power is truly the number one choice for coaching communication. Visit sidelinepower.com. By email at info at sidelinepower.com or just give them a call at 800-496-4290. And then last but never least, SkyCoach. SkyCoach is a proven sideline replay technology that will give you the advantage over opponents utilizing anything else. Uh, we see you guys all over Twitter uh, complaining about uh, a multiple different types of, of sideline replay technology and about it crashing or not working for you. I've had the pleasure of getting to use SkyCoach the past four years of my coaching career at Broken Arrow. Hasn't happened to us once, and I get the butt shot and the wide shot uh, for our offensive coordinator seconds after the play is over. Um, It's awesome. 24-7 support, a flexible network that works in any stadium, any size crowd, and the most reliable, innovative software available. To be the best, you must use the best. Don't let your team down by choosing something inferior. SkyCoach is the market leader in sideline replay. Visit them at myskycoach.com to learn more. That is going to do it for today's reads. On this episode of RTP, we talk with John Davis. Coach Davis is the head coach at the Apprentice School in Newport News, Virginia. 
Listen as we talk with Coach Davis about his unique university football experience that is that has a paid apprenticeship program in shipbuilding and engineering, the intricacies of his 3-4 defense, and their disciplined option offense that fits the blue-collar style of his student-athletes. You can follow Coach Davis on Twitter, at ApprenticeHFC, and visit the Apprentice School website, www.as.edu. Hope you guys enjoy. I don't know how much you guys know about our school, but our situation is a little different. So we've actually been, you know, we had like a June mini camp I, when I, after I took the job and uh, our freshman report really early. So we had one group come in on July 9th and one group come in on the 23rd. So we've kind of phased them in. So they've had a taste already. So it's not like we'll be starting from scratch whenever we're able to get out for our practice one. Uh, Coach, tell, tell us a little bit about your school because I know you're in a, a little bit of a unique situation. I think that'd be pretty interesting. Yeah, so I'm the head football coach at, the, at Newport News Apprentice School. Now, it's uh, Apprentice School is owned by Huntington Ingalls, which is, is a defense contractor for the U.S. Navy. Um, our students, our school is a engineering slash business school. That's what we grant our degrees in. Um, our students are paid. Uh, we're the only college in the country that, that's legally able to pay our students. They and they get paid whether they're at work or at school, so our students work an A B day schedule. So on A days they go to work. Uh, they at the first two years you learn a trade. During that, while you're learning that trade, you're working on nuclear power submarines, nuclear power warships. Uh, we built the biggest, baddest world warships in the world. We're the only place in the country that's able to build nuclear power warships for the U.S. Navy. And then on two days a week, you're in the classroom uh, doing advanced level maths and theory courses and um, like I said we pay our kids a 40-hour week eight to three yeah that, that's nice I will then I would assume you, you've got to have um you know some the awesome part obviously is you get to pay these kids but I'm sure the tough part is you know you've got to have really intelligent kids to get in which which isn't a tough part I'm sure you make that work for you in different ways but um I'm sure fairly limited on the type of kids that you can have come in that, that would be able to uh, pass a, a rigorous like you said higher, higher up, upper level math and, and, um, you know, everything that would go along with that. Yeah, we're definitely, I mean, we're niche. It's not, it's one of those things that everybody doesn't fit. I mean, we're looking for Ivy league academics, but also somebody that's got a bit of a work ethic and doesn't mind getting dirty for a couple of years. So we, you know, since I've gotten here, I've really come to respect our guys and what they do. Um, you know, there's no, like the way the schedules match up, there is no way to get all of the football players that work on the same day and all of them in class on the same day. Hmm. So we'll have some that are in class and some that go to work. And on those days that they go to work, at the end of the day, they're going to come over and, and practice to go play a college football game. So, you know, you develop a, a deep level of respect for them for what they do. And, you know, it's a, it's a niche situation. But our guys, you know, I will say this, our freshmen, our first incoming freshman class they came in and they had a they were in orientation for the first three days like every other college and while they're touring and making moves around we don't have a financial aid office we don't take FAFSA we don't take student loans so like that's an added plus and then during that orientation time they were all getting paid $17.89 an hour <laughs> during that time so it's just it's Jeez. a good situation for the right fit and then up into their up through their senior year guys that stick and do a good job with it their senior year they're gonna make a minimum of 60. Um, and at that point, most of them have moved on into their advanced studies. 
So you spend more time in the classroom than you do on the waterfront and you're learning to be an engineer or you're learning business procurement or things like that, that with the hope with the company hoping that they can retain you after you graduate. With all, with all of that going on, right. I, I'm sure a stressful uh, day for them if, if they're at work and then um, obviously with class, it's not going to be an easy blow off class. I would assume with any of those classes. Um, so I know like I've visited the air force and, and they kind of say, it's almost like, when they get to come out to practice, they got to try to find ways to make it fun. But for the kids, it's like almost a getaway to get to play football, kind of like what it was all growing up, where a lot of college football is is more like almost a chore at times for guys. Uh, is it more seen around there as like, man, this is our time to get away and just get to play pure football and get to have some football? And then kind of the second part of that is like, do you have to you know, try to find ways to make it fun because – or not fun necessarily, but you know, more entertaining, more upbeat, you know, so the kids can spend a whatever eight, 10 hour day working and then come out and, and be productive on the football field. Absolutely. So I guys like they're all, you know, they're on eight hour days during the football season. So, you know, the days that they're in class, it, it's an, it's just like every other college student. It's a relief to be able to get out and get to football meetings and run around. But yeah, I definitely think that our guys, my staff, they take their cue from me. Um, you know, we're really big, big on time management. You know, when you got a guy that, that's worked eight hours or when you got some guys that are in their fourth year where they're going to be studying for, you know, nuclear physics type math, you don't want to waste their time. So when we when they get over there, we don't waste a whole, whole lot of downtime. You know, it's, it's taping, it's meetings, and then we're getting out to go. So we don't, you know, we don't waste a lot of time in there. We come to value their learning ability. So what it helps that, that they all have high IQs because we're able to get our installs in and get thing, get through things faster. Um, from my vision so far. So I've been, you know, really happy with the way we've been developing things. But yeah, I think our guys, and they were hungry for a college football experience. And I believe that that was why I was hired. That's why I got the job was because, you know, that's what I want to sell to them. I mean, at the end of the day, yes, what they do is noble. We built the biggest, baddest warships. You know, the guys that are going through engineering, they're taking extremely high level classes by their senior year. But when they get over to football, you know, we're going to play the highest brand of football we can possibly play while having a little bit of fun at it. So, yeah, we got our perks and we got our negatives. I guess our biggest negative compared to other schools that we play against would be time. Um, because of our schedule, we won't have any two-a-days. So our camp is a little different. But because we're an NCAA affiliate and not a member institution, where we were able to, you know, again, schedule some June practices that gave us an opportunity to just get ahead. So, like, I just really love where we're at right now. That's what I was going to ask you about was, you know, how do you, you kind of work around that? But it sounds like, you know, you guys are able to have, you know, some, some mini camps, almost kind of like an NFL style type deal, yep. would you say? That's exactly kind of how we approached it. So we did a, you know, we did about a week of just slow walkthrough paste install stuff with the, with the returners in June. Um, then that second week we went out and we really got after it a little bit, tried to make sure that we, we, we did a good job of just tempo in it. And then the first group of freshmen report July 9th, and they got to do it all over again. So it was like, okay, I'm starting. We start from day one install when the new freshmen got there. Okay, so that was 24 freshmen that came in July 9th, and we had another 21 that came in July 23rd. So we did the first practice again. So that was three times that the, that the veterans were able to have the day one install. So what ends up happening is you get to clean up some of the – you know, for us, you know, making sure they understand our rules and this is, we're going to do this. And it just reiterates, you know, we talk about bread and butter. These are our bread and butter. This is why we practice this so many times. And with us being a whole new staff, I think that that's just going to give us a leg up when we start playing here soon. 
Coach, I was just taking a look at your guys' schedule, too, and then I, I know you guys are, are kind of an independent. So, you know, what, what type of schools do you guys generally play as far as levels concerned? Yeah, we, we'll play anywhere from NCAA. We'll play NCAA Division II, FCS. That We played FCS teams in, in our past history. Um, right now we're in this – we're sticking to the Division Three and independent schedule. So what mm-hmm. we're trying to do right now, I think what our athletic director did prior to me being hired, he said, you know what, we're going to schedule for where we are right now, which is, you know, we were in a, in a big hole um, when I took over. So I think that that kind of shows where we are scheduling-wise. We made sure we took some games that I feel like I think we're going to be really competitive in, um, with the goal being you know, as we move forward and we develop a little depth and we solve some of our retention issues, now we're able to, you know, move on and play some, some other schools. We just, you know, entered into a couple of contracts in 2020 with some Division II scholarship football programs. And I think once we get a handle on who we are and we get the right fit into our school, then I think that's kind of where we'll be playing at. But, I mean, again, as an NCAA affiliate, that gives us an opportunity to play anybody. So if you look at our, our history of teams that we played against, I mean, there is, there's literally every division, JUCO, there's NAIA, there's FCS, um, there's D2, there's D3. I mean, there's just it, – it's everybody. So – you kind of fill the schedule with where you feel like you're going to be as a program, which I think as for apprentice, as, as the years have gone on, has gotten a little bit more difficult because, you know, scheduling nowadays, you're kind of scheduling two, three, four years out. Right. So you get, you're really yeah. trying to schedule for who you think you're going to be four years from now. Well, uh, you know, you, you talk about you, you took it and um, I, I'm assuming, you know, had a big turnaround or, or were looking to have a big turnaround from where it was to where you wanted it to be. Uh, what were some of your strategies? What were some of your ideas? going in uh, to get that program the way you wanted it. And then also, uh, you know, like, like the mini camps that you get to have in June or July, was, or July, is that something that they had been doing uh, prior to you getting there? Or is that maybe a – I don't want to call it a loophole because that sounds bad, but was that something that you kind of found in, as your research and said, hey, we could be doing this, this type of thing in, in July legally? Absolutely. So what I did when I got here was I, I went through – uh, our affiliate agreement with the NCAA tooth and nail, because here's what happens is during the season, we're at a disadvantage with every other program, just from a meeting, meeting time and a practice time standpoint. Uh, we don't go anywhere near the NCAA limits inside of our season, just because of our time restraints for what our guys do. So what I did was um, in that, in our agreement, there was no agreement for how much or when we could start our practice clock. So as long as we're staying within those practice hours, and we, I have to report those every week, as long as we're staying within those practice hours in the calendar year, we're in good shape. So what I said was, you know, and again, this was something that I thought about really hard before I took the job was, how can we make sure that we're not at a disadvantage? Um, I don't think it puts us at any type of advantage just because of the way our calendar works. And, you know, again, we, we, won't, we don't get our kids over to the facility for lunch. You know, we can't have our kids over at the facility first thing in the morning for you know, a walkthrough or video session. So this allows us to just try to get ahead so that we can maintain, you know, some type of level of competitiveness throughout the season. Um, and then as far as my strategy goes for, for why I think we're going to end up being successful here, is, you know, recruiting is, is my baby and that's kind of what I, I based it on. And, you know, I've been putting a lot of different proposals on the table to our administration. I mean, what we offer at the end of the day is just as good or better than some schools that offer scholarships. Um, Again, our, our program is 100% paid for. So our kids never pay a penny for classroom instruction. They never pay a penny for supplies. 
And, you know, that, so to me, in that regard, it's a scholarship. So we're, we've been going and, you know, we've, we've started a program where we're going after the brightest kids we could possibly find early. And that's put us in some recruiting battles with some schools that that's where we want to be at. Um, we want to put ourselves in that mention. If you're going to be an engineer, you're going to go into business. Why would you not come here and play with us? If you're going to be, you know, somebody that's going to end up having to take out loans, you know, whether you're going D2 or whether you're going NAIA, if you're going to have to take out loans to go to school, then you need to consider that. I mean, even some, you know, lower tier FCS schools that have, you know, students that have to take out loans. Those are the kids that we're, we're targeting now. And what's happened is, um, you know, we offer actually offer official visits just like Division One and Division Two schools. So we provide uh, hotel accommodations. We provide meals. So our first two official visit dates for 2019 are already filled. And that just puts us way, you know, light years ahead of where we were at this point last year where, you know, we didn't even have the dates at that point, from my understanding. Hmm. So I just think us accelerating the recruiting calendar, making sure we get out in front of the guys that we really like, offer them, and then, you know, really be aggressive with making sure they understand who we are. And then, you know, we're going through a rebrand. We signed a, a deal with Under Armour. I think that's going to help us tremendously. And just, you know, making sure everybody that I come in contact with, I, I talk about apprentice football. Um, and that's, that, I think that piece of it is, is really starting to catch on. Um, we did a few satellite camps this year where, you know, we started to offer some kids that we've seen in those places. And it's been the, I just, our response has just been great. I've been really, really happy with what, where we're going right now. And I'm just 120 days in. So I, mean, I feel like, you know, sky's the limit for us. We just got to make sure that we continue to build upon some of the early success that we've had. Coach, talk a little bit about the area you're in. I mean, the, the Newport News, Hampton Roads area is traditionally one of the most talent rich you know per capita football places literally on the planet you know there's there's been some some freak athletes that have come out of there really really high level football players so talk a little bit about that uh kind of helping you guys out as well uh, we get to see it every day um you know we're, we're out at the high schools and we've been at all of the camps here locally and you know, we went out to all of the spring football events uh, when i got here and i'm I, i'm originally from uh, Atlanta, but I lived and I grew up in, in Lynchburg, Virginia. I went to EC Glass, graduated from Liberty University. So I'm a Virginia guy. And I knew, you know, coming down here today, it's, it's a talent-rich area. Like you say, they're awesome, absolute freaks. And that is, you know, I've seen, you know, we've seen some things here that I just, I would have never imagined that we would see here on a day-to-day basis. And it's very competitive. You know, it's, it's a lot of parity down here because of the, the competition level. And I think that, you know, with us being the local team, it, I was amazed at how many programs here, how many head coaches, how many people knew a little bit about our program but didn't really know any of the nuts and bolts. And I'm talking about some what I would call legendary coaches, guys that I really look up to. And I think they run high-quality programs. I'm like, you know, we got to tap into this. You know, we got Oscar Smith. We got some of the best football programs in the state of Virginia right here in our backyard. And their students, they don't know who we are, what we offer. And, I mean, again, we're looking for a unicorn. We understand that. But, I mean, we have to do a better job of identifying kids here as well. So, um, again, what we're, what we're attempting to do is get out and find all the guys that fit our criteria, that have some interest in us, and just, you know, move on them quick, start the funnel big, and then we'll funnel down to the, to the perfect fit, which, again, like I said, we're looking for unicorns. But, you know, our, our profile is also kind of growing nationally. I think right now we've got offers out in Pennsylvania, Georgia, Got one out in California, uh, one in North Carolina, a couple in PA. So we're we're really looking for that super smart blue collar athlete. 
if that makes sense. That guy that comes from that background and understands that, not afraid of hard work. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and so one of the things that I always find interesting is, is how, you know, like you had said, you get to use some of these smart, hardworking kids and develop your, your plant, your defense, your offense around that type of a kid. So uh, like a lot of times when you see a lot of the junior colleges, uh, sometimes or the majority of the times, so, uh, you know, not as smart of kids overall, um, maybe some kids that failed out weren't, weren't graded wise, grade wise, good enough to go D1. So they got to go to these schools. So a lot of the JUCOs you see, you know, you know, go spread or have very minimal blocking schemes, minimal pass schemes, and, and try to let their athletes be athletes. Whereas, uh, you know, you look at a place like Rice, like Stanford, they're going to be a little bit smarter, quite a bit smarter kids probably, uh, and they're going to have a lot of checks, a lot of kills on offense. So yep. what are some ways that you're using either your offense or defense, either way or both, uh, using the, the type of kids that you have, smart, hardworking kids, um, to develop your offense around that? Yeah, so offensively, we are uh, split back veer, uh, similar to what you'll see at Charleston Southern. I hired my offensive coordinator from there, uh, Charlie Skolaski. And um, what we've been at, what his system and what our kids have been able to do, you know, when we talk about, you know, running paths and things like that, things that, you know, in his past, in his past background, he spent days on explaining, you know, which hip to attack as a running back, uh, as a tackle. You know, if you end up having, you know, so everything we do offensively is rule-based. And, you know, things that would typically – you'd spend a few days on explaining rules. Our kids have, have picked up on those really fast. So what it's allowed us to do is just kind of be able to – we want to play 11-man football, and it allows us to be able to kind of take advantage of the mismatches that we've been able to – that I think we're going to be able to create as we move forward. But, you know, what I've really enjoyed is the teaching on the fly. And um, I've been I've, – at some of the other previous stops I've had, it's been very difficult to be able to make those type of minor adjustments as you're moving forward. And uh, we've been able to do those here so far throughout practice. And that's been, it's been a blessing because you want to be able to do some things and, 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 and move your install along as far as fast as possible. And we've been able to do that so far. I mean, just little minute things like, okay, we've been able to switch to front, put in a new play and be able to switch to front. And because our guys understand the rules of the play, we don't have to spend a whole nother day explaining the difference between an odd, odd stack and, and a 40 and a, and a you know, a, a, a 40 stack. We haven't had to spend a lot of time explaining that because our rules kind of take care of whatever front you give us. And being a split back veer team, you know, some teams are going to put up, they're going to create fronts week to week to try to, you know, get us out of our game plan. So that has been very impressive to me so far. And defensively, we're, we're an attack in 3-4 and, you know, we're moving every snap. And guys have to be smart enough to understand where the blitz is coming from, where replacement, where replacement drop team. So that has it's moved a lot faster than some of my other previous thoughts. And you know we've had some really highly ranked defenses when I was at Gaggy. That and this group is moving a lot faster than they than I ever was able to move there. Well, that's, that was one thing I was going to say. There's one reason that I just love like split back veer or anything like that. And in Oklahoma, even, you know, at our high school, we are um, big 21, 22. Mm -hmm. It's just that it's the, you know, I know those are quite a bit different offense, but the same thing I like it for is that it's like you're the only book on the shelf. So when you go play a team, they better be ready. Uh, they better have been working on it for weeks. You know, split back veer isn't something necessarily that you can work on in one week and have it down because it's something – completely different than those teams that we'll see all year and, you know Absolutely. one of the big positives for me and then kind of what you touched on the only not maybe not the only but one of the opposite of that coin is especially probably for you guys this year because you don't have any films of, of teams doing this against you from the previous seasons is 
you're probably not even going to hardly get to watch much film on a, on a team because they might change completely their defense to try to attack your, you know, to attack split back veer, which they may not have seen for, you may not have any film of them on it. Exactly right. And I think, again, that, you know, that's why I think it's, it's a good fit for us because I think it gives us the advantage in the fact that, you know, when I really, when I sought out and I was looking for my hire, you know, what I liked about Charleston Southern is they beat a lot of teams that, you know, you look at their 10 win season, their playoff season, they beat a lot of teams on their schedule that talent wise, they just can't compete with facility wise. They can't compete with, but they always put a product on the field that was able to move the football. And I mean, they, for years they were averaging seven, eight yards a carry. And that's just unheard of in FCS football. So, I, I sought this out, and I was very, very excited about that. And I think that it's a, it's a good mesh for us because we're going to get those type of athletes in the backfield. So it helps. It'll help there. You know, we'll, we'll get those type of athletes in the backfield, and it allows us to recruit smaller offensive linemen, which fit better at our school and for what we're trying to do. You know, you're six foot six, 300 pounds, and walking on, you know, getting in the bowels of a warship is, is not always the best fit. <laughs> I mean, it gets pretty tight down there. So, you know, the big guys, they struggle early, especially if they're not good at bending and, and contouring. So, you know, being able to work with those 250-pound guys and just being able to get in front of people and move, that it just it fits who we are. Again, and, and like you mentioned, you mentioned the academies. I mean, we're that's kind of who we are. The only difference is we don't have to, you know, you don't have to commit any time to Huntington English when you're done. You can finish your, your, your bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering and not have to spend another day at the company after you graduate. And I think that, you know, that's the biggest. But as far as recruiting purposes, you know, with the schedule and how we do things, the academies are pretty much our closest peer. I would imagine that the, the company probably really enjoys football players because they're probably kind of exactly what they're looking for, you know, guys that – that have some toughness to them, some mental toughness, some, some fortitude. They're, they're used to, you know, handling some adversity and handling some problems. So I would imagine that they're very, very supportive of what you guys are trying to do. Yeah, if you think about it like this, I mean, why would a company that is worth a multi-billion dollar company, why would they invest, you know, and this, and this is the exact number, why would they invest $277,000 per kid to have a football program, and, and what you said is, is correct. The whole purpose of the apprentice school is to create leaders and engineers for Huntington Ingalls. So if you're able to, you know, kind of manufacture your management force from our school, which is only about 900 students, you, you put yourself in a good situation. I, you know, the waterfront here, the, the Newport News Huntington Ingalls site has about 20,000 employees. Um, of that 20,000, only 900 of them are apprentice school students, current students. So the whole purpose is to self-grow your management from inside of your company. But then also, again, the stories that I've heard are you hire engineers that have high degrees from Virginia Tech and some other places, and they've never worked with their hands. They've never really been down around the metal. And when, they, when they're writing and they're drawing up bulkheads and places where pipes need to go, they don't understand that certain things can't move that way because of uh, – you know, the way the ship is set up or the way that that the building sequence. So when you get people that are self-made that have actually swung a wrench, actually moved the hammer a bit, then they move up into these engineering positions. They understand that this piece has to come before this piece because they were down there. They worked in a team already. And that, again, I think that it's admirable. And I'm really, I'm, I, as a football coach, I'm really appreciative that our guys come in and 
you know, again, I don't have to walk. That was my job at Gaggy. That I was the financial aid guy. That was I had to make that to be the guru of that to figure out how some kids were going to pay for school. And again, when our kids come for their visits, we don't even have to go to financial aid. We don't have a FAFSA code, none of those things. So that it just makes my job a whole lot easier. That piece of it. Yeah, that's great. Hey, you don't have to pay for college, and and we'll pay you. Yeah. It just puts you in a good situation, man. I, like, you know, by the time my kids are, are out, you know, they're in their sixth or seventh year, they'll be making more money than I did. Or it pays for itself. Uh, the other thing I was going to say, too, Coach, is, I mean, you know, running the type of system that you guys are, you know, b- both schemes I I think is is awesome. You know, I love the 3-4, and then obviously I, I love the option game, too. But, you know, kind of kind of twofold. Like you said, you'll be able to find a, a bunch of athletes that can play quarterback that can, you know, play one of the split back positions. And heck, I think you could probably find a lot of fullbacks too, because that's a dying yep. position, you know, with Absolutely. all all of the, the spread teams that are out there, you know, nobody can find a, a hybrid fullback or a hybrid type tight end kid. And, and I think that becomes a pretty good niche for those kids, especially, you know, if they, they like to put on a hard hat and work. And then not to mention now you're playing a three, four, you're going to get four linebacker type kids who, you know, kind of fit the same mold. They're going to work hard. They love to hit, they love to run, and they're going to love to, you know, to work with steel and metal and, and get after it. You're exactly right. I mean, that's, that's who we are. You know, we, we want more people to know about us. We're not, you know, I think some of the previous regimes, I think they, they didn't really understand how to, you know, market who we are. Me, I just, I personally think with the way, with the way, the return on investment now for traditional colleges, you know, where you pay sixty, seventy thousand dollars in in college loan debt, you know, I think people are looking for alternatives to that. Um, so we we present an alternative, and again, we're not for everybody. Some we run across a lot of kids who academically they're in great shape, and they say, you know what, coach, I I don't think I could work two days a week. That that seems crazy to me. Then okay, we're not the right fit for you, but you know, guys that. You know, if they're working at a lot of like part of our recruiting criteria, we ask, have you ever had a job? Because today's generation, you know, they they like to play their video games. They like to stay up late. It's, so, again, we're looking for uh, a unicorn, you know, somebody who doesn't mind being accountable for their time um, as an 18 year old. And that's that's rare. And I tell our guys, you know, that you get all the same things that any normal college student gets. The only difference is when the party happens Friday or Saturday night, you're not the broke kid. Got a little money, paydays every Friday. I kids get paid every Friday, so you're not broke at the party. You know, you you know, you're in good shape. It, it puts us in a in a different stratosphere. No, that's that, awesome. And and to me, the coolest part, like you already touched on, coaches, that uh, you know, there's so many people in college. They go through it. They're they're I don't want to say bookworms, but they're doing whatever they want outside of school. They're going to study. They're going to seem really smart in college, and then now it's time to go be you know be at your business that you, you're going to go work for and you actually haven't done any real work now you got to go another mm-hmm. basically two years at this job that you're at just to figure out how it really works not how school tells you it works but how it actually has to work where, where your kids are working day one all right so when they're mm-hmm. out of college they're truly ready for the workforce not like a lot of college kids are and you know which isn't necessarily their fault it's just you just can't be ready to actually do the work if you've never done the work I was talking to a, a young student who is considering another school, you know, 2019 kid. And, you know, I, I tell him, he's like, you know, so I ask him, you know, I want to be an electrical engineer. That's what I want to do. Okay, great. So at this other school, you're going to go to school for four years, get your electrical engineering degree. And then before you can graduate, they're going to tell you, you have to have a year of internship. Hmm. Um, and that's kind of where the world's going to. I, I hold, our whole program 
is an internship. I mean, from the first day you start, you're you're in an internship from the very first. And so, you know, the only difference is in the wording. We call it an apprenticeship. Every other company is going to call it uh, an internship. So, you know, you talk about a guy who wants to be an engineer. Well, what the difference between our program and another program is by year four, you're working hand in hand within the job that you're going to be working in. You're working right under the person that's doing the job that you want to do. With the thought process being when they're promoted, you get promoted. Or when you're done with your program, they create another position for you. So, I mean, we're the only, and, I, you know, they, they put these maps out. And a lot of times we don't get included in them. But we are the only school that can guarantee employment from day one. Um, once you graduate from school, you are guaranteed a position, and in most cases a high-paying position, but with Huntington English. I mean, just for me, that, that had I known about this place coming out of high school, and I went D1, I had that great experience. But like you say, I didn't have any work skills when I came out. Right. I knew how to play football. I knew how to be on time for meetings. I knew how to power clean. I didn't have any other work skills. And, you know, I had to go in and I had to figure out what I wanted to do after college was over with. I didn't, I didn't even you know, necessarily know what I wanted to do. I had a degree, but I didn't know what I was going to do with it. And well, yeah, so this, it just, it takes you out of that, that winding force of, okay, who am I? What do I want to be? It gives you an opportunity to really touch on that. And some guys, they come in and they say, hey, I know one thing. I know when I get into engineering, I don't ever want to have to come and work with my hands again. But, if there's a recession or something happens and I'm laid off, I got this skill. I learned how to weld. I learned how to be an electrician. I learned something on my way to get my engineering degree that's going to always provide, that's always going to put food on the table for the rest of my life. Well, yeah, your guys get the best of both worlds because, like you said, there there is still some good things that at the college level you're going to learn just intrinsically from football, like being tough, like, you know, being mentally tough, physically tough, showing up to things on time, all that's going to put you ahead in the work world. But then your kids are also working at the same time. So they're getting the best of both worlds. And like you said, um, you know, you're going to have a job when you're out of college. I can't tell you how many kids, they get out of college, and I know you know this as well, but um, even the guys that aren't athletes, that they go to college, they get, you know, 4.0 in uh, sociology, they get out of college, and they go live with their parents for three years trying to find a job. Yeah, I mean that. That's that's why I love this place. Um, actually, you know, rewinding my story a little bit, my last season at Gallaudet, Dad, I actually interviewed for this head job, was a finalist, and didn't get it. Um, at that time, um, I was working at Gallaudet. Dad. My lead defensive assistant, his name was Vince Brown. He's my defensive coordinator now. He said, "You know what?" He's like, "I don't know if you know this or not, but he's like, it's, it's destined for you. You're gonna get it. It's just not now. It's not your time." So when it reopened. The process moved so much faster. It was like it was it opened for me. Um, it's just it's a, it's the right fit because again I walked so many kids into the financial aid office and student accounts office who did all the things that they were supposed to do. They got A's and B's in their class. They filled out all of their paperwork. They maxed out their loans and then they still came up five thousand dollars short, eight thousand dollars short. You know that that broke my heart, and that's why this you know was a perfect match for me. Is you know, I walked a lot of really good young men out of that office who probably are still paying for an education that they couldn't finish. And that, that breaks my heart. You know, you get something out of them on the football field and you're able to, you know, get them out there and they have that experience. But then every semester, you know, you lose a bunch. And, you know, the attrition rate in Division Three just tells you all about it. You know, every school brings in 70 to 100 freshmen and then senior year, senior date is 20 on good things. You know, 20 on average teams, 40 on the really good ones. And I just didn't want to be a part of that anymore, to be honest with you. That's a tough, tough, tough road to sell to young men. 
And a lot of them are getting, you know, liberal arts degrees that, you know, quite honestly, they're going to get a job. If they're lucky, they'll get a good job, but quite honestly, they're going to get a job, but you know what? It's not going to, not going to do much to make a dent in all those loans that they did have. Yeah. Or be a teacher. Yeah. I mean, that's what we are. I'm lucky. Yeah. I went to, you know, division one. I, I had no debt after college, but God, so many people of the teachers that I work with, especially in Oklahoma, I mean, they're in debt for whatever, 15 years trying to pay off their, their student loans to be a teacher. Absolutely. And, it, and that, like, again, that just, that, that's why I said, you know, I had some other opportunities and had some chances to go to some other places, but just with the rising cost of college, I, you know, I had to, I left college football with the thought process being, okay, I'm, I'm going to work at apprentice club or, you know, I'm going to go somewhere where our kids aren't forced to, to leave school because of financial reasons. And so I'm just, like I said, I'm just grateful to be here. I'm grateful that, that the administration sees my vision. And when I tell you they're supportive, they are supportive. They, they come down to check out practice. They're, they're really into, into, like you said, they're in the football here and they, they want us to be successful because again, we represent them. They represent us. And, you know, they, they want us to be successful for a lot of different reasons. I think from, from a branding standpoint, you know, more people are going to know about us as a football program than they're going to know about Huntington Eagles, the defense contractor. Hmm. And they understand that. Dang right, man. To get the best talent, man, spread, spread that net, keep building that brand. I love it. Coach, uh, the one thing I wanted to ask you um, about kind of the, the, the course load. So, you know, obviously they're, they're taking their math, they're taking their, their science and engineering courses. But you mentioned one of the pillars was leadership. Are there things that they're doing, you know, kind of within their courses to to build leadership? Um, is, it, is it kind of a built-in part of, of their program? Or is that something where you guys kind of have to maybe pick up the slack and, uh, and do teach some of these, you know, kind of what I call, you know, executive or job skills outside of just, you know, work ethic and, and being talented? Well, it's, it's built into the company. Like, I like to like the company itself and even our students in the school it's kind of like a tree um you know because we do have some non-degree avenues like our kids some all of our kids take the same two-year curriculum everybody is it's kind of like juco in that regard and again we don't have, like everybody's going to take that two-year curriculum where you're going to be on the yard working you're also going to be in the classroom taking these high level courses um after that point is where the leadership piece of it starts um if, if i'm finished my world shipbuilding curriculum at that point now if i decide that i don't want to go degree track which some guys get get here and they say you know what i'm really good at this part of it i'm really good with my tools i really enjoy this atmosphere down here this is this is what was made for me those guys are fast track into management roles so they're forming now they're you know they're shift leaders they're crew leads so that kind of starts their their management training per se, because then the, now that's a whole nother branch of training that they'll have to go through. Um, if I decide that I'm a I'm a continue on to on a degree track, now you know again I'll drop a work day and I'll pick up a class day, and then now my afternoons when I come back from classes they're spent with other people that are in my field. So if it's engineering, I'm gonna spend a lot more time with those people, kind of just soaking up that that on the job knowledge so and again our that's where athletics comes in at that's what you know that's our arm our arm is the reason why we we have an existence is because they they value the lead the, the lessons that you learn as a football player you know again like you said i think you hit every last one of them on the hill on the on the head you know reacting to adversity you know working in the team you know having to problem solve on your feet and then the biggest component that i think really gets overlooked 
in every college football program, but especially ours, is the time management piece. Mm-hmm. I mean, when our guys get home from practice, they're spent and they're up again, you know, 7 a.m., you got to be somewhere every day, five days a week, 7 a.m., you either in class or you're at work every day, uh, five days a week. So, I mean, I think that they value that and the fact that our guys sacrifice a lot to play college football. So they're they're appreciative of that. And people see it and they recognize it. And, again, it kind of just makes us who we are. But, you know, for us as a football program, they kind of learn a lot of it. Like you say, you learn a lot of those things just on your own, you know, just following in the regimen of being a college football player. But the company, again, you know, it's good to be able to kind of be hands off in that regard because, you know, I've worked D3 and a lot of times you're doing class checks, you're doing study halls, you're doing all these millions of different things to try to make sure guys are academically where they need to be at. Well, our company is a little different. Um, we're paying you to go to class, so the, the company is invested in your success. Coach, getting back a little bit uh, to to uh, split back, you know, being able to run split back, you know, uh, it seems like there just isn't as many probably teams that you can go or coaches that that know that system that you can go bounce ideas off or, or sharpen up your ideas or ask questions to. So, uh, are there is there like a like a black market of coaches that know you know that kind of offense that they all all try to get together or um, you know is that something that you, you kind of go seek out that same couple of guys every year because it seems like if you want to learn spread you know you go to you know 45 different colleges or, or yep. wherever and and go bounce ideas and learn and, and do this but um, it seems like at least for some of the higher football it's like you go to the few service academies you go to Georgia Tech but even those aren't aren't split back beer they're just they right. run you know they just run some beer yeah so I right now our, our biggest pipeline is our Charleston Southern guys and then Jamie Chadwell um, who is the who kind of taught our offensive coordinator kind of everything he knows. So that's kind of his piece. And then here in uh, here in the seven five seven, Hank Sawyer, who is the head coach at Lake Taylor, who's had some really good football teams. He's also one of those you know kind of parent branches of that tree. And again, you know, we run it out of split back. It just allow it, you know it it allows you to be a little bit more versatile than than the like you say the trip the service academies and running it out of the gun just gives it gives you a few more different options so yeah so for us you know that's kind of where we moved to this summer was the Charleston Southern guys um they still run that system they have a lot of success with it and you know we're we're still seeking out other guys who know it and kind of can run it you know you know a lot of guys that understand that blocking concept because they run it under under center but things change a lot you can't really run midline out of out of shotgun beer because the three technique can play both I mean just little nuances like that um and then just making sure that we're really sound all the way across the board. But, I mean, that's obviously us being able to get here, and we've only had about 120 days. Summer was really dedicated to recruiting and making sure that, you know, we hone in on our guys. And I think that that, that part of it, I think, is a bit of a uh, convoluted art when it comes to taking over a program is just getting the buy-in from the guys that are there. So we wanted to make sure that we didn't spend a lot of time on the road. We wanted to make sure they seen our faces every day. I've got a, a good buddy and, a, you know, one of my best friends, and, and uh, he coaches with me. But he played – his dad was the head coach at Pitt State, and they were uh, mm-hmm. split back beer uh, as well a lot. And so one of the big things he talked about was having a strong and a quick side. And I know not everyone does that. Uh, do you guys have a strong and a quick side up front, or are you guys – your right guard, right tackle is going to be your right guard, right tackle all game? Yeah, we'll be right guard, right tackle all game. But we have seen that, and we, we kicked it around a little bit. We've seen it a few times where guys are doing that. And I think it's it, it's favorable, but I just think in the college football game, it's tougher now because you got you got so many eyes on the field. 
you know, you have so many people watching. It's it's kind of tough to be able to hide and, and move guys around prior to the snap unless you're really going fast. And like we're we're going to control the tempo of the clock, so we're not moving at breakneck right. speed. <laughs> As most defensive-minded head coaches would do, right, Coach? Exactly. You you know, you are hit the nail on the coffin, baby. Let's don't turn this thing over. Let's run the football. Let's control the tempo of the clock. Eat some eat some time up and and score more times than you don't, and we'll <laughs> we'll get you a win on the other side. Sometimes it's really fun to see how much that'll freak out a high tempo offense that you're going against. I mean, we, we kind of slow it down a little bit in, in, at uh, our high school. Uh, mm-hmm. We're big and huddle still and, and all that. And so it's kind of – you see a team that's up-tempo uh, that on offense, and it's like your offense actually really starts messing with their up-tempo offense. You know, they have Absolutely. three and out. Now they're kind of freaking out. They're, they're pressing. They're doing things that they got all game. But because you took up five, six minutes, whatever it is, now they start pressing even though it's the first, second quarter. Yeah, I think that – Again, it, it's it's amazing to even think this, but you're talking about you know what we do, what you guys do. That was football seven, eight years ago. I mean, you think about the change, the amount of change now. Where ninety percent of the teams you play against, so they want to air it out more than they run it, and they want to go up tempo, they want to go no huddle, they want to go empty. It's amazing, just you know, the evolution of football. But I, like I said, I always think that the you know it's like good music. The classics going to always play. The you know, triple option is going to always play. It's always going to have its place. You know, I've seen a couple teams that are actually still running a little bit of wishbone. I mean, just I think the classics always going to play, and the more people get away from running those classics, the harder it is to defend them. And so that, you know, I think that that again, it's just it's fun for me to get out and watch football from all those different places. When we get off the off the mic, yeah, I'm definitely going to get your get your coaching mate's name and. And number, and then maybe we'll come have him come out and visit with us in the uh, in the spring once the season's over with. While we're while we are, you know, iron sharpening sharpening up the iron for the following season. That's awesome, Coach. Our uh, we we just had uh, Coach Shenander on from uh, Nebraska, and he was he was a big three four guy, and he said that you know honestly going against tempo all the time really forced him to simplify his defense. So now they're making you know one or two word calls. Is that something maybe you've seen now, kind of the evolution of, of your system? You know what, by, by having to go fast, you know, I've found a better way to communicate it, a better way to teach it to now maybe where, you know, you can do some more things because you've simplified it and, and honed it in and really, really tightened it up so much because of these, these teams that want to go fast. Absolutely. So when I, when I sat down uh, my first year moving to an odd front, um, I was a, a four-three slanting guy prior to that. Four-three, four-four slanting guy. We moved around a lot, and when I said we're going to do it from an odd, you know, all of the, the guys that have been coaching for years and years and years, they looked at me like I was crazy. And my thought process is now, and it'll always be, you know, we want to make sure up front you have to sort us out before you move to the next level. So you know, we're go- we're going to be in, in fours. We're going to be heavy on the hand. And, you know, we may take a B or we may take a C every single play. And we may long stick down to an A, but you're going to have to sort us out before you can move to the to the linebacker. So what that did for, for me my first year, what I found was it allowed me to cut down on offensive playbooks because there's just certain plays as an offense that you're not going to like against a team that moves as much as we move. Um, you know, teams that run a lot of single back power, teams that run a lot of teams that run a lot of uh, uh, outside zone, like they, you don't really want to run it against a team that's moving as much as we are because it's going to screw up your rules a little bit. 
So, you know, we get a lot of gap. We get a lot of gap offense. We get a lot of, you know, uh, inside zone just because, you know, it, it, it makes your rules a little bit easier. So, so what I realized is I could, you know, by my front moving and what we're doing with the blitzes on the back is we're, we were able to dictate what we were going to get from a week-to-week situation. And, you know, for me, it, it was all about making sure that they spent a lot of time in, in blitz pickup and in blitz review, even though for us, we're not doing a lot, but it looks like a lot on video. It looks like, you know, we're running a lot of exotic stunts and movement and things like that. So our tags, we, we really, you know, move down on how many tags we'll use. But again, it looks, you know, you bring, you know, your weak side inside backer, he's got a three-way go on every play. As a guard, I'm, I'm uncovered and I got to figure out where he's going every play. And I think that, that that's just helped us in our run fits. We've been really, really solid everywhere I've been. So, um, you know, I think that for me, it wasn't so much about shortening it down as it was about making sure that we had to, you know, we exploit the matchups that we get. And if we got guys that are just that, you know, wherever the fast matchup is, we're going to run a, a ton of, of looks at that guard or that tackle, that struggle, mm-hmm. um, and, and force offenses to, to move to the opposite side. And so we're strong in a weak defense. So like you were talking about offensively, you know, we, our tackle, our mic, and our, our bandit, they all travel together. Our rover, our end. And and our Falcon, they travel together. So on the back side, you're gonna get the quick guys, and on the front side, you're gonna get the strong guys. And that allows us to kind of dictate to you, you know, where we're gonna, you know, send send a good bit of the beef. So even though I might the defensive end may change in front of you based on where we are on the field, we're still gonna be attacking the weakest guy on the front. We're gonna force him to force somebody to compensate for him. So you talk about having to get a double on the nose. If we get a double on the nose you know, a good bit of the game, then we're going to be really, really, really crashing B-gaps with other people all game long. And it just it creates a lot of tackles for loss. Um, you know, during my time at Galley, we were always around the top and tackles for loss in the uh, country in D3. And that was why. That's one of the cool things about defense is, I mean, honestly, you know, you could say, wow, you know, they got, they got 10 freaks. But if they have one bad dude, you know, if, if one guy can make one guy miss on defense, you can make plays. Absolutely. You know, it's like, you know, the guys that sit there on the whiteboard and we're, we're drawing up the perfect play. It's like, hey, man, if, if you can't block my four eye with your left tackle, you're going to be in trouble. Yeah, and that's, that's what we try to do. And we try to, you know, make offenses get a little innovative. And, and for me, it's always been about, you know, I've, I've, I've clinicked with a lot of really, really, really good coaches. And I've clinicked with some that I, I asked them and, and I asked them in all honesty, why, why do you do that? Uh, for me, you know, we're coverage-based defense. So when I'm scouting an offensive coordinator, I'm, I'm not going to scout every play that he's ran because every good offensive coordinator, he's going to have his cover one beaters. He's going to have his cover two beaters. He's going to have his cover three beaters. And if, you know, we're not going to give them specific coverages in a the game, then it's a good chance we're not going to get those beaters, if that makes mm-hmm. sense to you. So exactly. I don't spend time I don't spend time repping against those route combinations that I've seen I've, I've watched four games. He's only really ran that against teams that run co- a lot of cover three. Well, we're not giving them cover three. So here's the offshoots. Here's what they ran against cover two. Let's be really good against this. Here's what they ran against man. Let's be really good against this. And let's not focus so much on just drawing the play card just because they ran it one time. Let's really get in his head and figure out what is he like against us. Same thing with, you know, when you get tape versus a four-man front. Well, what I like in the run game is going to be different based on the front. So if we've been, you know, we're a zone team, we're a zone read team, and we really like, you know, running the bubble off the 4-3 because you don't got a guy in the alley, then that's what they're going to run. But they're not going to give us that same look because we're going to have an overhead. So, you know, you got to kind of got to make sure that we're not wasting the practice reps just to say, okay, we practice versus 
every run play that they ran. I just I think you need to be solid against what you're going to get. And, you know, identifying that, that's the football game inside of the football game. And that's, you know, that's why I've been able to be successful is I just I, I cut down on my preparation time by not wasting time. Just, you know, good offensive coordinators are running, running plays just to mess up your, your tracking anyway. I mean, they do a good job of that. So you want to make sure that you're just really just focusing on what you plan on seeing. And that cuts down on how much time you have to teach and then how many things you're throwing at your defense every week. Well, I think it's just such a good defense, too, against this against spread offenses. I mean, yep. uh, you, you know, being a part of a spread offense in college, it was like we spent a, a half a practice learning how to pick up different blitzes out of out of three, four. And either yep. you're dual reading or you're doing this. And then, like you said, if, if you get a team that's going to dual read with the guard and the tackles, now you're going a huge island for your nose guard if he's any good – He's a more athletic guy, and it's him one-on-one with the center, you know, which makes it really tough on those on those centers. And then the other thing I think it's so good at is, is you start toying with that outside linebacker away from uh, the tailback. Now you can bring him sometimes, the, you know, the line, do they push out on inside zone? Does the line push yep. out to him? Do they not? Um, it, you know, if they don't, he's free off the edge. If they do and he doesn't come, they waste the guy. Or even if they do push out to him, now they've got, you know, two extra guys off the backside, and it's just – you know, it's just so much for that offensive line even to have to pick up uh, during the week. That's how, that's my number one goal week to week is to just make sure that, you know, when they come in, like I, I like to think of it like this. If I'm the right tackle on any run play, when you're giving me my rules on Monday for the week, it, every time we talk about a play, you got to say, and if he slants outside, then you go here. If he comes B, then you go here. If he goes B and this rover scrapes over the top, now you need to go here. Like you're going to have to kind of draw up the rules based on knowing that every time you run this play, one of these three or four things are going to happen. So it gives us, for me, it gives us the leg up in the fact that eventually you're going you're gonna to have to shorten down your playbook because you're not going to have enough time to rep all of those plays versus our base looks. And I say base in the fact that, you know, you know we're going to bring – we're going to bring four. You got to figure out where the fourth guy's coming from. And then 50% of the game, we're bringing five. You know what I mean? So you got you to sort every piece of it out before you can, you know, really move on. And, you know, again, I've, I've had some success against teams that have been a whole lot better than us just because, again, we've been a little – just a little athletic, but they, we understand where we're going. And if you get some guys that aren't great, but they run really well, really helps in the defense. So you get a couple of knockers inside at, at the inside backers, and everybody else is just guys that can run. And you, you talk about creating havoc because you got to sort us out before you can block us. And I, I love that piece of it. So, again, we get a lot of gap and a lot of inside zone. Teams don't really like to run to the edge because as a tackle, i got to figure out who's, who's going to be the force player or who's the spill player because on one play, on one defensive front, it's the tackle. On the next defensive front, it's the outside linebacker. On the next one, it's the inside backer coming mm-hmm. on, a, on, a, on a round blitz. So it just gives them a lot to think about and, you know, makes it forces them to slow, slow down a step and, and think before they move. And so we never, we never give either one of our tackles a two-gap go. Never. Hmm. Coach, I, I was going to say, too, that, I mean, I know you guys are, are going – will be going against split back veer in practice. It also helps, I think, on, on a defensive side that you're learning your option rules immediately because, I, you know, in, in today's game, quite honestly, and if you say you're, you're a spread offense or you're an RPO team, those are option teams. You know, teams yep. that are running the zone read or, or they're throwing the, 
the bubble screen or they're throwing the now screen or they're, or they're throwing, you know, the replace. I mean, all that is is option football. And you guys already have that built into your system and you're able to teach those things to your guys in all of those different fronts because you're seeing it just a little bit differently in practice on a daily basis. So honestly, you kind of, that's kind of your starting point, I would think, with your defense. Here's option. Yeah, we have got to teach them. Got to teach them who has who and us. And you know, I, it is what it is. I mean, we don't overcomplicate things because we move all the time. The rules have to be simple. If you're an A gap or a B gap guy, you have dive. Mm-hmm. If you're a C gap guy, you have the quarterback, and then whoever the secondary guy is or the overhang, whether it be the free safety or the outside linebacker, based on what the front is, they have pitch. So it makes it very, very simple. In the fact that okay, I know okay on this play, I have I'm uh, I'm an edge blitzer. I'm the outside back. I'm an edge blitzer. I got C. My end's going to be I got quarterback inside linebacker. Both of my inside gaps are covered. My end's going to be my outside linebacker's got C. I'm the over for the pitch. It just makes it again it makes it very easy. You know the reads make it makes it very very simple for our guys. And like again, we just I don't overcomplicate things. I, I still believe in playing as fast as you possibly can and not having guys to have to think. I think that, that that puts you in a situation where you put your best 11 guys on the field and you really play to their strengths. And, you know, your defense evolves based on the strengths of your guys. If, if we don't got guys that are moving as well as we like to move, then, you know, you have to change and, and evolve with it. No doubt. I, I think, uh, you know, it'd be, it's going to be a really fun, interesting season to watch you guys this year because – uh, you know, you know, uh, it just it's an awesome defense, really fun offense, I think, to watch. Uh, you know, I, I think you hear some people complain, I guess, sometimes about uh, slower offense. At least that's what we hear here. But uh, if you're a real football guy, especially offensive line guy, it, it's fun to watch that kind of an offense. And, yep. and I always go back to the first way I was taught football, which was put some weight in your hand, get your butt up, and let's roll off the ball, be physical, really come off and, and try to punish people. And And that's – Still, to me, a little bit kind of what true football is supposed to be like. You know, let's put some weight on our hand. Let's be offensive line, you know, for the offensive line. Put some weight on our hand. Yep. Let's go off, fire off the ball, not not retreat. Yeah, I love, I love that. That's still what I believe football is. And, you know, when I'm watching offensive line play, I want to see, you know, for us, you know, because we can get the lighter guys, we really like the position blocks and we like to angle and cut people off. But, I mean, once, you know, at the base of, of any good beer is going to be a combo. And I like – I love it when a combo comes together and you get the move and you see somebody moving and you see a defensive line backpedaling. I love that. I love it. And that, that – like you say, that's football. That's football. We'll put him right in the lab. Put him a job too with your podcast. I just want to make sure I say that before you guys get rid of me. But I mean, you know, <laughs> it, it's a football. It's a football podcast, and I respect that. Well, we we really appreciate that. I mean, that's kind of what we we intended to do, and really, it was out of boredom uh, because of off season, especially in high school, can get so so monotonous, and you just want football to come back. And so, it's great to just get to talk to guys that other guys that love football. You know, these used to be. Me and Walls talking a couple days a week, uh, just me and him. And then it was like, man, if we could find a way to, to trick some really good football coaches into talking to <laughs> we'd be uh, we'd really be living the dream, like we said at the beginning. Now, you guys are doing a heck of a job, man. This is, I mean, I think a lot of, you know, for me, going back and listening to all of your, your, your prior episodes, one of my old coaches that I worked with at Henley High School, he's the one that put me on to you guys. And he said, listen, he's like, I know you don't spend a whole, like, you all, I'm always on the go. 
He's like, when you're riding to work, he was like, when you take your little ride to work, he's like, put these guys on, you're going to like it. And I was skeptical. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, Gosh, I got, you know, you think about like this, you got a million things running through your mind, but every, every one that I've listened to, I've picked up something or I picked up on an idea or I've learned something. And, you know, you just don't have an, like you say, you don't have an opportunity to get out in clinic as much as you'd like to mm-hmm. once you're sitting in the head chair. So this, this doubles as an opportunity for me to learn something, especially from some of the guys that you had, especially like I've, I've jotted down a few ideas about program development that I don't think I would have got from going out from other places, just how other guys think. So, you know, I'm appreciative of that. Well, thanks, Coach. Uh, you know, kind of how we end all these, uh, as I'm sure you know, though, is, is um, I always like to ask what a coach thinks about offensive line play from other teams. So uh, when you're watching another team's offensive line, I know I kinda, you kind of hit on what you like to see from yours, but when you're watching just offensive line play in general, what's some things that they'd be doing that would make you think highly of their, their offensive line, Coach? Uh, first and foremost, uh, the communication prior to the start of the, uh, the play. You know, whether you're watching a, a game on TV or whether you're watching film, you can't always hear what they're saying. But when you see fingers pointing and you see the communication happening down the line, I really, really respect that. The second thing that I really look for is adjustments after the first series. Um, first series, I don't care. You know, most – I don't care if you score a touchdown. There's always something that needs to be done um, from an offensive line perspective that you could pick up on and – you know, you come back out in that second series, I think that tells you a lot about the offensive line and the offensive line coach because, you know, I've seen teams really rally around the offensive line and really make those little subtle adjustments that and you start seeing a lot of plays pop. And then I've also seen teams that, you know, have had a lot of success in that first or second series and then they, they come back out and they're going back to the same stuff, but it's not working the same way. And a big piece of it is because defense has made adjustments and the offense hasn't. So for me, the biggest piece of that is is communication, seeing guys moving. And I love offensive linemen that take good, clean steps. Um, I mean, obviously, the defense is going to dictate where where guys go, but you can tell when a guy's been taught a really good bucket step. You can tell when a guy's been taught a really good kick step, and those are things that I think they permeate because the offensive line, they show pride in those little small things, and those are the things you can pick up on from any film, you know, high school all the way up. I just think that you can really – you can really pick up good steps and a well-coached offensive line by, you know, the communication, their steps, and then where their eyes go and pass pro. You know, watching the, watching the offensive line, linemen scan both gaps. I mean, I really enjoy that. And that tells me that they've been really well-coached. Coach, that's awesome stuff. I, I need to get out, and I know Coach Harper would probably agree with me, but, you know, Newport News I've heard is just an awesome place, you know, out there at Virginia Beach. I've never been out there. Kind of been, you know, to to Baltimore and Annapolis and some of those areas. But would would love to get out there and see the school, man, sometime and, and sit down with you. I think it'd be a blast. You know, you guys are welcome. I'll take you guys for some fresh seafood because being where you guys are, you probably never had any real good seafood. <laughs> no, take no. For some for some fresh fish and, and shrimp, and we'll we'll sit down. We'll clinic, man. You guys are always welcome. All right. Well, we appreciate it, Coach. This has been a great hour, man, and, and wish you the best of luck. And like I said, we'll, we'll keep spreading the good word about the Apprentice School. I think your, your guys' format is, is really cool. It's a hidden gem in college football, if you ask me. Absolutely. I really appreciate that, fellas. And I wish you guys good luck this season. And, you know, I hope you guys can continue creating such a great product, man. This is awesome. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys, make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, 
long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.